going on hockey fans this is episode 140 of the clapper cast i'm i'm burke and as always joined by sean sean what's going on oh man i am absolutely exhausted what a day it has been for <laughs> trades i think this is i think this is one of the busiest and most exciting trades or trade days in nhl history yeah i think the pace is um like much above average i think it, i mm-hmm. saw a thing and it was like Normally in the days leading up to the trade deadline, there's I think there's like an average of like 17 trades, and there's already been like 26 or something. Yeah, so, I, you know, in other words, apparently the trade deadline was February 28th when we're recording this and not March what, March 2nd or something. Yeah. March 3rd, I think. Yeah. It's the trade deadline for our fantasy league tonight, so I guess the <laughs> league just assumed <laughs> yeah, the gotta get deadline. Got to get those trades in just before we finalize in the fantasy league so that, uh, you know, we can... Make make our moves accordingly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in so other words, uh, welcome to part one of our NHL <laughs> trade deadline coverage, where we do one episode before the trade deadline covering the stuff, and then one episode after the trade deadline covering the rest. Yeah, yeah. It's always a fun one. I think we we always like these ones the most. Oh, like hundred percent. Free agent frenzy ones are, are yeah fun episodes. Huge um, fan of uh, analyzing and breaking stuff down like this. Yeah, so we're we're gonna throw it back to. I don't know what three weeks ago when the Rangers, um, they didn't really kick things off with this trade, but it was one of the first major trades um, of February, and it was when they acquired Vladimir Tarasenko and Miko Mikola from the St. Louis Blues in exchange for Sammy Blay, <laughs> who's going back, Hunter Skinner, a minor player, 2023 first, 2024 fourth. Those both had conditions about. Um, the Rangers um, in in playoffs essentially, um, and Tarasenko's at fifty percent retained because you know he's at a pretty high cap hit. So um, apparently, when this trade goes back a few years, because when uh, Panarin was first coming into the league, Tarasenko was friends with him, I think, and he was trying to tell the Blues to get him like way back and uh you know obviously he went to chicago instead um but they've maintained that kind of you know that friendship and uh i think panarin was wanting him on his team now so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a bit of a backstory there but uh what do you think about this one i think this is a decent trade i think um st louis got a lot of valuable assets for themselves out of this um i mean sammy blay is quite connected to that team i don't like he's not like the most impactful player but he goes back to st louis and he immediately bounces out of the slump he had been in for most of the season in new york yeah um they get that first round pick which is huge for a team that's starting their retool rebuild whatever you want to call it and you know what they you know, they give up someone who didn't want to be there because Tarasenko's been in trade rumors for the last two seasons now, and you know a seventh defender. Yeah, like honestly, it it worked out great for the Blues, and Tarasenko first nine games in the, with the Rangers, he has two goals and two assists, and he's only playing about sixteen minutes of of uh, he's only got sixteen minutes of ice time per game. Yeah, the Rangers have not been playing particularly well lately. Um, they went on a bit of a losing skid. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if they were on one before that trade, but they've kind of not been. No, they had super a. Great. 
they had an undefeated week around when he was acquired, if not the first week that they had him. And then, yeah, you're right. They went, like, on a major slump for the last four or five games. Um, Sammy Blay was holding it together, I guess. Um, Apparently. His five <laughs> assists in 40 games was holding the team together. I think he scored in his first game for St. Louis. He did, yeah, he did. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it just wasn't a good fit for him there, especially after, um, you know, the Rangers kind of stepped back to reality after really beefing up their team. Um, and uh, he got injured. You know, he had that long injury. Um, it just wasn't a good fit there. So I guess St. Louis just kind of wants that type of player back, which makes sense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, like you said, Tarasenko – very worst kept secret that he wanted out of there so you know deal him out while you can and get something for him mm-hmm. um and then this this topic of panarin wanting to get his friends together we'll we'll come back yeah we'll, we'll circle back at the end of the episode um, <laughs> unless something happens while we record we'll we'll circle back <laughs> at the end <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll cover it at some point anyway at near the end of the episode um we'll move on to so the next trade um, was uh, a three-way trade where the Toronto Maple Leafs acquired Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari um, and a guy named Josh Pillar, who uh, most notably has the same name as a guy who used to play on the Blue Jays. Um, St. Louis Blues got Adam Gaudet. Still know, kicking around. Yeah, legend. <laughs> uh, legend Mikhail in our fantasy Abramov. league. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, someone drafted in what the second round once. Uh, yeah, someone someone <laughs> accidentally misclicked and drafted Adam Gaudet in the second round. <laughs> yeah, legend. Um, a 2023 first, 2023 third, 2024 second round pick, and then Minnesota Wild retained uh, some of O'Reilly's contract, and they got a fourth round pick in 2025 for their trouble. Um, so, you know, getting a guy who's been to the Cup, you know, finals and one um you know absolute team first type of player um one of the top guys in the league for face-off wins um having a bit of a down year this year but um you know a guy who isn't on st louis yeah that's a fair point um but you know leadership intangibles um you know leads the league and crashing into uh tim hortons while drunk driving (laughs) I was um, trying to think of a joke to make, but I figured <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> so you just gotta, you just gotta address it. Um, you know, that was the joke that you know Tim Hortons in the GTA area <laughs> were all, you know, <laughs> barricading not, the not stores, sleeping easy as soon as he's <laughs> in town. Um, and then adding, you know, a depth forward, Noel Chari, who's a, you know, also been pretty deep in playoffs runs before, mm-hmm. and you know, plays a playoff style game. Um, so this one again, Blues got another first. Um, so they're, you know, quietly adding up quite a few draft picks here, which is um, notable because this is a very strong draft, especially that top that top end the first round. So y- they're probably going to be like you know mid to late round picks, but that's still likely going to be valuable assets moving forward if they keep them because they can also just then flip them for existing prospects too. Yeah, for sure. Um, what do you think about the fit for O'Reilly on the Maple Leafs? I think it's I think it's a sneaky good fit. I think, um, you know, O'Reilly's kind of heralded as this, like, selkie defensive center, but you look at how he's being utilized immediately in Toronto. Like, you, you'd think, oh, he'll go center the third line, pay, play PK, but no, they put him on the second line. They shove Tavares on the wing, and 
looks like they're clicking pretty well. I think that second line was like Tavares, O'Reilly, and Marner, mm-hmm. and they've been they've been lights out so far. Yeah, Riley, uh, O'Reilly has had a hat trick already. He's had a four Which, point night. Yeah, so he's probably already got almost as many points as he had the entire season in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not not far off. Um, but yeah, I mean, like their center depth is pretty unreal now. Um, you know, just the ability to put Tavares on wing or have him play center if they want. Um, they've got they've got a pretty elite core of centers right now. Um, O'Reilly is a UFA at the end of the season, um, so he might just be a pure rental type player. Mm-hmm. Um, Which I mean, looking at what the Leafs gave up, you know, Abramov's a de- uh, decent prospect, but he's not like high end. And then they give up, you know, first, second, and I'm assuming that th- that third, that's Ottawa's, came from Toronto. I'm not sure though. Um, <clears throat> so they give up, you know, first, second, third, and a decent prospect, and and Adam got it. Yeah. So like that's you, you see the teams who are going all in. You see the returns that they're getting. You know, the prices are going up for those rentals, and in, in some cases, so I think. Uh, I don't think they gave up too, too much. Yeah. Especially um, because this is basically Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe's last kick at the can. You imagine that if they don't win or make a deep run this year, that the both of them are gone. Yeah. So one Dubas doesn't care because like if he, if they lose out, he's going to get canned anyways. And the assets aren't his problem, but he also needs that to save his job. So he's going to have to make the bull play. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's interesting because before this trade happened, it was talked about that uh, the Maple Leafs weren't going to trade their first-round pick. And I remember, like, texting. I think I don't know if it was you or somebody else. I was like, they're for sure going to trade their first-round pick. Like, I don't know why they're saying they're not. Like, they're for sure <laughs> going to get rid of that. And then, sure enough, you know, <laughs> here it is. 20, 20 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Like, we we're not going to trade BK Subban. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think it's a it's a good ad, you know. Uh, it's um, you know O'Reilly's not the flashiest player, but you know he's a he's a warrior, and mm-hmm. um, can absolutely be a leader that they look to when they're you know playing Boston in the first round or something. And that's <laughs> uh, Tampa Bay, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but um, oh, I just want to throw uh, uh, an interesting strategy by Minnesota this trade deadline because this isn't you know we'll we'll run into this trend again later on of Minnesota um, acquiring mid round draft picks for retaining salary. Yeah, so it's it like is. the team that doesn't have much of anything instead of using that cap space to build up for a playoff run that they apparently and I don't blame them they don't see themselves as is highly competitive this year. They're instead using that cap space to acquire random mid-round draft picks that you know they seem to value, and 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 take on you know retained salary, which is you know an interesting strategy from a team that's in a playoff spot. Yeah, it is. It is kind of weird because they they did also make some trades, which we will talk about you know later. But it is weird that they've been in multiple of these retention deals. Um, so it's 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 kind of a hedging your bets sort of moment from Bill Guerin where it's like he's making some moves but they're small moves but he's also acquiring some draft capital to either move out or just draft. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's I kind can, of an interesting. Strategy. I remember 
I can't remember how long ago this was. This was probably shortly after Garen took over. Um, you and I were talking about how we can't tell what the fuck the Wild are doing. Because <laughs> it's like one day they look like they're trying to compete, and the next day they look like they're trying to rebuild. And that's still the same thing, where it's like, well, you're you're doing the things that rebuilding teams do by acquiring draft picks for retaining salary, but you're in a playoff spot, and you're still making small moves to try and improve the team for a playoff push. Can't figure yeah, it out. It is... Um... It is a little weird, but good on the team for using cap space as an asset and acquiring what they can and like making the most of what they have. So yeah, maybe they're just kind of getting ready for what their um their buyout penalty is going to look like next season. You know? <laughs> right, they've got a couple more million <laughs> added to that. <laughs> yeah, so they're just preparing themselves for that. Like, how good can our team be with you know fourteen, fifteen <laughs> million dead cap? Um, <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting because they did that a couple of times and they've also added some players. It's, it's kind of weird. Um, the next trade, Tyler Mott back to the New York Rangers, uh, in exchange for Julian Goche and his 2023 seventh, um, which has a condition on it. Um, where if New York gets the second round, you pick upgrades to a sixth. Um, so Tyler Mott looked good in the new Rangers last year at the deadline. Um, brought him back. Depth guy. I think Cheap depth guy. Yeah, fan favorite. Move. Yep. Yeah. Replaces um, Sammy Blay, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Penalty killer, you know, has some good speed. Solid move. Rand- randomly scores five goals in five games sometimes <laughs> and then disappears for 50 games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Arizona. Taking on some uh, LTIR here, um, they acquired Shea Weber, Weber's contract and then a 2023 fifth in exchange for Dyson Mayo. Um, so depth D-man for Vegas. Um, and legend for Arizona. Yeah. Uh, weird uh, weird one because this came out, you know, there's been all these Jacob Chikrin talk and then, you know, it's like there's a Arizona trade, a D-man, it's Dyson Mayo. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. Interesting. Glowing reviews on him basically being a defender with a cool name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's about anyone has to say about him. That's about anything anyone has to say about him. Yeah. Um, next next one is kind of a weird one. The Chicago Blackhawks acquired Nikita Zaitsev, who's got a pretty bad contract and it's been in like an absolute black hole for Ottawa. Um, it's just not not very good. Um, and they got a 2023 second and 2026 fourth for future consideration so it's just a clear cap dump take on this guy's contract so we can clear space but the question is just like what are they clearing the space for um because they're they're kind of in the mix for a playoff spot a wild card but like are they trying to clear this space to re-sign alex to bring it are they trying to bring somebody else in they're rumoredly in on uh chikrin they're rumoredly in on um nick jensen from the capitals and it's just like what it seems like a weird move at the deadline. Oh, but <laughs> As you said, okay, I'm looking at, at the Senators cap friendly page and I'm scrolling through to figure out what they're trying to do with their cap space. Cause I can only see like the brinket that needs, you know, Eric Brandstrom that are really like maybe going to get a raise. And I scroll down to the defenders and then I see Nick and EN and I'm like, wait, did Ottawa just acquire Nick Jensen? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Nick Holden. <laughs> uh, yeah. Close. You have to have all the all the Knicks. Um, but, um, yeah, basically, the Senators now have, like, $20 million of cap space. 
what are they doing with that? Is it, I mean, they've always been a team that goes with that doesn't spend to the cap, so like that's you know within the realm of what they're doing. But um, are they just they just would rather have someone else maybe playing that spot on defense than Zaitsev when yeah, they have Brandstrom, Sanderson, kind of getting stuck behind in Zaitsev in the lineup. Well, why not have Sanderson and Brandstrom play because like they're probably better. Yeah. Yeah, I um, it's just kind of kind of confusing because it's just like it, I don't know if they really need the space this year unless they do want to get like Chikrin. Um but I guess it's more like a forward-thinking move, like because next year, like Zeitz is on contract until the end of next season, so I think it's really just getting rid of this contract as soon as they can, so they can maybe start allocating some of that money to Debrinket or something. That would be my yeah, guess. Yeah, because I imagine they're, you know, two, three seasons down the road here, they're going to need a whole bunch of um, cap space to keep a bunch of players. Yeah. Yeah, so it's probably just more of that compared yeah. to making an addition this season. But we'll see. Um, the next trade... Um, this this was kind of a bittersweet moment for me, um, where the Boston Bruins acquired Garnet Hathaway and Dmitri Orlov um, from the Washington Capitals in exchange for Craig Smith, twenty twenty three first, twenty twenty four third, and a twenty twenty five second round pick, um, and Minnesota Wild retained fifty percent of uh, Orlov, and uh, it's kind of like I said. A little, little bittersweet because I like Dmitry Orlov, but also it's a pretty good trade for the Capitals mm-hmm. um, because both yeah, those guys are expiring contracts at the end of the season. Uh, the apparently the negotiations with Orlov throughout the season for an extension were not going well. He wanted too much money or too much term. I heard uh, it was term. I heard he wanted like a six, seven year deal, but the caps wouldn't want to go past three or four because he's already i think he's already in his 30s or he's already yeah. at 30 or something yeah and I think he's like 30 they knew they weren't gonna get it done or something mm-hmm. but um, you know looking looking at what the caps got that that first and a third that seemed to be the um the going price for that type of defender who dimitri orlov is one of like the most underrated defenders in the league especially at even strength he does not get much credit for how good he is at anything at just being a good defender so that's a a great acquisition by boston to get someone who can play first line minutes that they're probably going to have on like the second maybe third pair the caps get the first and a third that's the going price for that they get a second essentially for garnett hathaway and then they get a serviceable winger in craig smith just to make the cap space work yeah yeah who they needed boston needed to dump to you know make the ads they want to do exactly um yeah, I mean, like, Orlov, I mean, I've watched him a lot just being a Capitals fan, but um, he's really be- kind of excelled at changing his game. He used to be more of an offensive guy, like, nothing crazy, but, like, he got, like, I think around 30 points, like, a season um, for a while there. Um, and then he really transitioned his game to be, like, a def- more of a defensive guy um, because that's what the team needed, and he's really changed his game up. In a, like a really, and he's a really strong player. He's a really good skater. 
um, he can join in offensively. Like you'll see him like have randomly have highlights where he just dangles people and gets like a beautiful goal. Um, so I think he's a pretty good add for them just with how good their team is and their their defensive mm-hmm. core now is just insane. Like they're so good. What's their like, left side like McAvoy, Carlo, and Orlov? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty pretty damn good. Like McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Grizzlick, Forward, Orlov, Clifton. Um, mm-hmm. And they got like Mike Riley buried right now too. Um, so yeah, like they're really good move for them mm-hmm. um and then that's not even to to we haven't even talked about hathaway who just how is a total <laughs> boston player exactly like <laughs> literally the consensus the consensus sentence to describe that acquisition is just garnett hathaway is a boston player <laughs> like he screams boston bruins yeah nothing else needs to be said like he's gonna fit in great on that fourth line with probably aj greer and trent frederick yeah just is this like this punishing physical line that still has some offensive capabilities when they need to yeah, he's just, uh, you know, I think he grew up in the New England area, too. Mm-hmm. So he's maybe not, like, a true, like, Boston local, but he's, like, a New Englander. Um, just going to be amazing in them for them in playoffs, you know. His ability to put himself in the right spot and get some nice goals. He's got probably the best celly of the year where he was lying on his back, twisting his glove in the air. I don't know if you saw that. but <laughs> No, I haven't. He got knocked down, like, right as he shot the puck, and then, like, he was just, like, sellying and just, like, he was laying on his back and just put his arm in the air and was like just <laughs> waving his finger <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like the goal light <laughs> yeah um so yeah i just think it's a it's a really it's a win-win i think this trade um caps get good draft capital and they were able to move that first um for another good player um we'll, we'll mention in a bit but um this is another one where the minnesota wild retain on Dmitry Orlov um, and get a fifth for their trouble. And it's just a little weird <laughs> that uh, that they're the team that people are running to to retain on um, because they are in a playoff spot. But like we talked about, it's kind of one of those confusing things. You'd think it would be like a team like Anaheim or something like that, but I don't know. Like, I wonder when the last team that was in that made playoffs was retaining in some of these deadline deals. This is a new trend in general: is adding the third team to retain. Like, I've only really remember seeing that the last couple of years, anyways. Yeah, it's it's just weird that a playoff team is doing it. Right. Potential playoff team, I guess. Um. And then yeah, Orlov's already had a point per game with Boston because he had a two assist game, so he's fitting in. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me smile when uh, Boston's first game with them, they were both on the ice at the opening face-off. So mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. Well, welcome to the team. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so moving on, um, Colorado, I think they made this move because uh, they heard that Pavel Francouz is going to be out for a few weeks. They acquired Keith Kincaid from the Bruins for Shane Bowers, who I think is a not the youngest prospect but like more of like a defensive type forward um but yeah i think you were saying this one kind of struck you as a bit weird it did um i had always thought of bowers as like i I thought he was a fairly highly regarded prospect 
and I thought he'd have more value than a third string goalie. So this it, this one kind of came out of nowhere to me, but like you said, I didn't realize he's you know already twenty three, turning twenty four this year. So he's kind of graduating out of prospect, and he's never really stuck around in the NHL. Like he's only played one game with the Avalanche in the NHL. The rest of his time has been in the AHL the last like three seasons, four seasons, including this year. So maybe he's kind of plateaued a bit and he's not going to really get much farther, but now it gives Boston a little bit of depth, a little bit of a younger player because like they don't have much of a prospect pool at all. So he could be someone who ends up in a season or two finding a way into the, ca- into the uh, Bruins roster just out of a lack of depth and maybe gets a chance there. Yeah. And like look at looking at Boston's, you know, goalie ten, they don't need Keith Kincaid. <laughs> they do not. They've, they've got they've got a they've got the leading goalie score goal scorer and possible Hart <laughs> Trophy winner and probable Vesna winner. They yeah. don't need Keith Kincaid right now. Yeah, they uh, and probably the uh, what is it, the Jennings trophy for I yeah, for probably. <laughs> um I think they've got a thirty they've got like a thirty goal lead on that one, so they should be safe. Yeah. Um, and then um, Vitaly Kravtsov, his nightmare was ended <laughs> in the in the New York Rangers system. He was traded to the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for William Lockwood in a 2026 seventh. Apparently, the, the original ask was like a mid first round pick for him and and a roster player. And um, Vancouver was just like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we don't Vancouver. We don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's also like he is not worth that. So no, um, no, uh, a struggling, struggling younger player never really stuck sticks in the lineup, and there's a, a risk of of him kind of bailing and going back to Russia. So teams aren't going to get a whole lot, or the Rangers aren't going to get a whole lot for him. No, um, he um, he apparently played in a World Juniors team. Uh, with uh, Pod Colson, so I think mm-hmm. there's a bit of a connection there. Um, uh, so I don't know. We'll see if they can make him make this reclamation project work, or if he ends up bailing back to the KHL. But it's pretty low risk move for the Canucks, and exactly you know, the uh, Rangers were able to shed a little bit of cap space, which they needed. Um, and then next up, the Winnipeg Jets acquired Nino Niederreiter. Uh, for a 2024 second round pick, you know they're able to bolster their top six. I think Cole Perfetti was um, doing okay, but he got hurt and likely will be done. I think for the remainder of the regular season. So I think this is a good add for Winnipeg to, you know, add a guy who's capable can play up and down the lineup a bit. Um, yeah, and and Niederreiter's had a good season. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's had a he's had a good season considering the team he's been on isn't the greatest Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's always hard for winnipeg to make any trade because a lot of players don't want to go there so for them to be able to do anything like that's probably a a, you know a a benefit is just being able to get anything done like that yeah yeah um and then dallas acquired evgeny Dodonov from the montreal canadians at uh, 50 percent retained in exchange for dennis gurionov so much like Vitaly Kravtsov, misery was ended, so was Gurianov's. 
Mm-hmm. He's able to move to a team where he can move up the depth chart a bit. Um, he's kind of buried mm-hmm. below some guys who are out playing him um, in Dallas. Um, and, you know, Stars get a guy who can bolster their secondary scoring a bit. Yeah. Um, so hey, did you see the quote uh, Marty St. Louis had about uh, Gurianov? No, what do you say? Um, it, it's a longer quote, so I don't have like the whole thing word by word, but uh, he was essentially saying that when they made this trade, he had other people from you know around the league, other teams, whatever, who were like, hey, do you want like my notes on Gurianov? Do you want to know what type of player he is? And he said, no, I don't want that because I want to form my own opinion on him. I don't want to go into the situation with him biased. I want to, I want him to come into this team, show me what he can do in practice, show me what he can do in games, see what type of person he is, and then I'll make my own opinions on him. Nice. And I thought that was, I thought that was just uh, uh, like a big brain, like forty chess, like <laughs> something that you don't hear out of coaches, especially in hockey, where they're yeah. all, you, you know, players get a reputation, and then everybody, no matter where they go, they end up with the same problems because the coach sees them as the same player that he was before. But here's St. Louis who wants to bring this guy in who's had noted struggles in a different team with a different team. He just wants to bring him in and let him be his own player. The same thing he's doing with a lot of other younger players. He just wants to let him like come in and show what he can do. And then St. Louis can form his own opinions of him. I thought that was just really cool. Yeah, that is a smart way to do it. And I think um, just looking it up, like Guriano has been practicing on the top line with Montreal. Yeah, um, and that's, I mean, Montreal needs someone who can do that because Caulfield, Caulfield is out and Kirby Doc's been out for, inde- he's out indefinitely right now too. So that entire top line, I think I had Suzuki, Caulfield, and Doc for a while were doing really well. But they just have Suzuki left now. Yeah, I mean, Guriano's got a bomb. So if a guy like Suzuki can get him the puck, like he can mm-hmm. fire. Um, and then, yeah, Dodonov got a really nice goal um, for the Stars already, so seems like a something that needed to happen for Gurianov. Um so I, I I think I like to trade for Montreal just to see if it you know they can turn him into the next Valerie Nishushkin um turn his career around a bit. Um and then for the Stars, you know, they're leading the conference or the um division they're in, so um you know, get a get a guy who can play uh now, really. Um, and then um, St. Louis Blues dealt out uh, Ivan Barbashev to the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for prospect Zach Dean, who I don't know much about. Um, but apparently he had a good World Juniors at one point. That's that's all <laughs> I've heard about him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, cool. I think I saw this is like of the six first round draft picks Vegas has had, they've traded five of them away. Um, I think. I I don't particularly care for this trade for either team. I think Barbashev got really lucky last season and through this year. I think he's just been I think he's been shooting higher than expect higher than expected. And I mean Vegas trading away another prospect it's like I mean it's obvious they're they're trying to win now because they don't have much of a anything to fall back on to sustain what they're doing you know, St. Louis gets another prospect. They, they lose a player, a valuable roster player for them. And they get a prospect who's kind of like, eh, is he going to be good? Is he not going to be good? Like, what's he going to do? Is he even going to make the NHL? Like, 
he's kind of one of those guys who um, had a really good World Juniors, and then maybe he's not. That's kind of going to be the peak of his career. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just kind of a depth trade. I don't. I don't know. Ivan Barbashev might get like a clutch goal for them during playoffs, but he's not Arturi Lekkinen though. <laughs> no. Um, but speaking of Colorado, they got Jack Johnson back, so they got the gang back together. I 100% forgot that John- Jack Johnson went to call Chicago. I saw the trade post on Twitter, on Instagram, and I'm like, "Wait, what?" I thought I... they screwed. I thought they screwed up. I thought that was like, did did someone forget that he's already on that team? <laughs> I remember him being there because I think they started. Like I remember seeing a post where like Johnson was at the cup banner raising ceremony i think and he was on the other team and he was like with all the guys in his chicago jersey mm. so i remember he was there um yeah so blackhawks got andreas england in exchange for jack johnson so all right <laughs> yep i mean good cool. colorado gets a guy who's familiar with the locker room one with them last year apparently he's well liked in in that locker room amongst the rest of the players is he the most valuable, useful player? No, but he's solid. Colorado's had injury issues. They just need depth and, and you know, leadership and all of that type of stuff. Just kind of, you know, give them a little bit of a boost. Yeah. Um, next up is probably one of the, <laughs> the biggest ones here. Have uh, fun. <laughs> yeah. So have fun with this one. <laughs> New Jersey Devils. Do, uh, do, do we need to have a separate episode just to read this trade? Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> New Jersey Devils acquired Timo Meyer at 50% retained, Scott Harrington, uh, Zachary Amond, Santeri Hataka, Timur Ibrahimov, so like the absolute all-name team. And a I swear four of those players don't <laughs> exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and a 2024 fifth-round pick. Taro Sujimoto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to make-believe people. Um, in exchange... To the San Jose Sharks for Andreas Janssen, Fabian Zetterlund, Nikita Akhatiak, and Shakir Makmadulin, who is a, who does exist and has one of the coolest names in hockey. Um, a 2023 first, 2024 second, 2024 seventh. The first and the second have conditions about, um, you know, there's a top two protection, which I don't know if I've ever seen that. It's kind of interesting. Um, and then the um, second is if Devils make the, t- the conference final and Myers plays in 50% of the games, um, it turns into a first in 2024. And then there's uh, some other conditions after that about, like, if this, then the blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, the, uh, that's, that's <laughs> what the trade is. The really fun part here is the condition on that 2023 first being the top two protection. New Jersey's, like... <laughs> one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, I know. It's so <laughs> what? Weird. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and it's honestly just kind of funny to put that that uh, protection on there, considering they're like we fall the last league. place. Yeah. <laughs> if we suddenly it. lose every single one of our remaining games, we're still and, not and find ourselves in the draft yeah. laundry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always funny. Um, because normally it's like yeah, top ten, which like I, I get, but like top mm-hmm. two, it's like yeah, you're not gonna have that. So. I guess it's safe to put it in there, but it's just funny. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, 
they get they get their Swiss guy, so I think they've got like a third of the, all the Swiss players in the league at this point mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Um, uh, I think they've like Zetterland. Apparently, Devils fans were sad to lose and Mark Madulin, but they didn't have to give up um, Holtz, um, who I think was rumoredly. Like yeah, I th- I thought it would was. have to be Holtz. I thought it would have to be one of their top guys like Holtz or Hughes or Nemich. But to for them to be able to make this trade and not give up any of their like top tier like prospects, yeah, is pretty impressive. And a failure for the Sharks. Honestly, yeah. Like they kind of got like a mixed bag of like stuff. <laughs> Like it looks like a lot, but it's Timo Meyer. Well, it's like, it's the definition of like an NHL GM trade yeah, read. Stuff just, yeah, <laughs> add enough pr- add enough assets with like five percent value, and eventually you'll be able to trade for one with twenty five percent trade value. Yeah, um, it's I don't yeah I like this trade a lot for the doubles. Mm-hmm. Like it's just I wouldn't say it's like robbery, but it's like this tr- like Meyer was on the block for so long and it was rumored like what the ask was and it's like sure you know Zetterland and Magmadulin might turn into like amazing players but like right now it, it looks like it's big underpay yeah if um, if the Devils I think part of maybe why they couldn't get one of the bigger name prospects is because Meyer is like an RFA and he's got that 10 million dollar qualifying offer that um, the team, like, he doesn't have an extension signed and that wasn't part of the deal, so there's a chance that maybe Meyer isn't able to be afforded by the Devils next season or he goes elsewhere. So maybe yeah. that's a factor into the lower return. They could. I saw someone online, and I, I haven't looked into this yet, but I saw someone say, like, they could trade him, like, his rights and get, mm-hmm. like, a Fiala-type return on him, right, mm-hmm. um, in the off season. So I was like, that's kind of interesting because they could basically get back what they sent out um if they if they don't want to resign him or they don't have the cap space but i I have a feeling that he's gonna resign there just because like there's the swiss connection yeah um and honestly that he's the type of player you want for your team like he is such a good high event player like he does literally everything he's he led the sharks in shots he led the sharks in hits he's like top five in the league in both categories i think i can't remember from when i wrote something about him a couple weeks back but he's such a high event player he'll throw the puck at the net he's gonna fit in great with a you know any sort of an aggressive system and he drives he skates in straight lines directly to the net so think of him alongside someone like jack hughes who's got the playmaking the puck handling skills hughes can go skate in circles meyer can crash the net and you've got like this amazing connection right there if yeah. that's the lineup composition they choose. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they can afford to keep him, but they've got a bunch of guys expiring, so, like, I think yeah, he'll be th- their priority. Um, yeah, I think so I think he wants about $9 million on a long-term deal. I think that was what I saw, which is reasonable for him, given, whatever, ever, yeah. given yeah. what other players are going for. Yeah, so it's, it's Timo time in New Jersey, and uh, I'm excited to see what they look like with him in the lineup, because, like, they just got so much better um but i mean i can see right now sorry to interrupt you i can see right now like they can they can free up almost seven million by not resigning tatar and hala which they 
likely won't. So. Exactly. So, anyways, sorry to interrupt you. Go continue. Oh, on. I, was just, <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I think like he'll be, he'll be their priority. I mean, like they gotta mm-hmm. resign Jesper Bratt too. But um, you know, they they basically got like five of their top six. Like, if they if they resign those guys, like locked down for a while while they're all kind of in their prime. So, um, with the, maybe the exception of Pilat, who is gonna be aging out, but. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a big, big, big move, um, and it's exciting that uh, you know they got this much better. I I want to see what what they're like, who he gels with in that lineup, and how good they are. Um, this next trade is probably one of the bigger ones. Just <laughs> Sean's shaking his head, um, <laughs> just in terms of like. <laughs> overpayments like <laughs> talking about an underpayment here and this is like <laughs> for for very next to, trade yeah to uh to to lead into this one i was reading about how various <laughs> nhl gms were jaw on the floor shocked at this trade yeah that's what uh sarah Bali was saying that <laughs> yeah. uh, there was literal like shock about this one and it's funny to see like the reaction from like some tampa fans are like what the fuck <laughs> And then there's some people who are like trying to rationalize this. Um, there is no and, rationalizing it. It's but there's just, people it's a who thing. are attempting to, and they're trying to say like, this is this is on par with like previous trades that Tampa Bay has made, and those well, paid okay, off. doing this, <laughs> doing the same as what's been done in the past isn't necessarily a good thing. However, last year, <laughs> you know, Stamkos. After the Brandon Hagel trade, Stamkos was like, "We don't care about the futures; we're winning now." Essentially, so like, yeah, like I get the logic behind why they're doing it, but that doesn't make the trade any good. No. So <laughs> what the trade actually is? It's Tampa Bay got Tanner Janot, who is a you know a, a physical uh, energy you know, spark plug energy guy. spark plug guy who was on Nashville. Um, I think he's what like twenty four or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's I think he's undrafted too because yep. um, he was invited to Caps camp like I think like a few a couple seasons before he signed with uh, Nashville um, so they got Tanner Janot who's like yeah he's he's a solid depth piece going into playoffs like he's going to hit everything that moves and you know just be a physical guy stand up for your stars whatever um, but they so Nashville got Calfoot 2023 third 2023 fourth 2023 fifth, 2024 second, and a 2025 first round pick, which is top 10 protected. Which again, it's the Lightning. It's probably not going to be no, top 10. That's pick. also in two years, though. But <laughs> still, um, so it's like here's basically one of every draft pick, <laughs> like yep. in this year's draft. Yeah. And you know, a, a decent like younger defenseman. Um, who can play like you know bottom pairing um, for Tanner you know it's a lot <laughs> you know it, as it's, soon as I heard Tanner Janot was like being shopped around it's like okay that's going to be Tampa I was hoping Edmonton would because I think he'd be a good player in Edmonton and to fill that kind of like price. no <laughs> I think he'd fill that Zach Cassian role in Edmonton but you see that price and it's like okay you can go to Tampa have fun <laughs> Yeah, it's but it's, it's it's a very Tampa Bay trade. It's the exact type of player they've been getting at the deadline with like Nick Paul, Brandon Hagel, Barkley Goodrow, Blake Coleman. 
like all those guys fill that s- exact same uh, place in the lineup. Yeah, it's like it makes sense. Like the, the addition makes sense, and like I get like, yeah, like the picks aren't worth m- anything to you right now because you're in their you're in your cup window and you want to win. Mm-hmm. But like, you you, it doesn't mean that you can't overpay. <laughs> yeah, like you see like other players that are better going for less. Well, like what Garnett Hathaway, probably a decent comparison. Exactly. Gets essentially a second round draft pick. Yeah. You know, breaking down the trade into its pieces. I mean, uh, like, yeah, like, not, not the type, not the same type of player, but like Nino Niederreiter for a second. Exactly. You know? That um, seems to be the going rate for midline forward, you know, you know, give or take some scoring ability for physical ability, but like they're both second round draft picks in return. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, I like I was talking to somebody else about this, and I was just like, is this just like the Tampa tax at this point? Like people don't want to deal with Tampa, like they don't want them to keep winning, <laughs> so they're like, you know what? <laughs> oh, you wanted to you know, like the price just went up. Like we don't want to deal with you. Oh, like man. it's just it's insane. That's an yeah. interesting thought, actually. That that's an interesting thought. I don't think GMs and teams are maybe that petty about it, but um, <laughs> that's an interesting thought to to put behind it after you know tampa goes in and kind of starts that ltir trend and they kind of brag about it and you know they keep winning three straight cup finals two straight cups like it's also interesting because um david poyle sort of stepped down this week as well Mm -hmm. um for being the longtime gm of the preds um and you know it it's uh barry trotz is going to take over going into next year but it sounds like he starts already yeah, they're um, they're kind of like he's been shadowing and and training through the year, and now they're like working hand in hand. So that this but, is apparently something that Trotz had his hands in. Okay, because I was just kind of wondering, like, is this Poyle's just like I can't top this moment, and just like you know what, <laughs> like I'm done now. Like, yeah, I've, I've done it. Retire. <laughs> like on a high I've note. <laughs> traded. I've traded an undrafted player for five like, draft picks <laughs> and a prospect. <laughs> like a top a top top like it's just crazy like yeah there's so many picks here that it's just unbelievable and uh to try and see some people rationalize it online it's just so funny because it's just so obviously too much (laughs) Mm -hmm. and if it was any other team than tampa everyone would be roasting it um and most people are but there's still a a chunk of people who are like oh well you know we added coleman and we won the cup and we added Barkley Goodrow, and we won the cup. And it's like, yeah, but you won. And, like, you added Hagel, and you gave two first-round picks, and, yes, he's doing really good this year. But you haven't won yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've given up another first-round pick, and you I haven't won wait. yet. I can't <laughs> wait to see their prospect pool in five years once this cup window's done and they're trying to, like, retool because they they have three draft picks this year. They don't pick until the sixth round. <laughs> They have five draft picks next year. They don't pick until the third round. And then they don't have a first round pick in 2025 as well. Yeah, it's, it's on top of all the picks they gave up in, you know, last year's draft and like the one before probably. So they, they don't, you know, they're going to be really bad once this cup window is done, but like hell if it's not one of the best dynasties in the last 20 years. Yeah. Like the, what they've done is impressive and this doesn't take away from that at all, but it's just like, you can still be criticized even though you've yep. won two cups recently like yeah it's not a carte launch good, the hell you want. especially because tampa bay's prospect development system is good mm-hmm. right like they can take guys like you know like perbix 
and they just come out of nowhere and they come <laughs> into the lineup and they're like, this guy's really good, <laughs> you know? And it's like all of these picks could be someone like that, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, you could, you could trade out whatever, but I get the intention. It's just like, it just seems so one-sided, especially cause like, you know, was about like a half a point of game last season and he's not, no, he's had a rough season. year. I mean, his impact on the lineup is going to be probably not points, but, you know, he, he looked like he was a better player last season. Um, yeah. So I, I've seen rumors that they do want to re-sign him um, for a pretty solid chunk of time. Um, so we'll see if that kind of comes out as part of this. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely a win for Nashville turning like a undrafted just guy that came signed on to your team into into all this like master class <laughs> yeah 100%. Is it, was there a bidding war for Janelle or something or and just like <laughs> i don't we'll throw so. in <laughs> like four extra picks like it's pretty pretty wild anyway we'll move on um T- toronto maple leafs have made quite a bit of moves this is the next one for them um they acquired jake mccabe 50 percent retained sam lafferty um, 2024 fifth, 2025 fifth. Those both have a condition. Um, the fifth round pick transferred to Toronto will be the lowest of the 2024 fifth round picks that Chicago owns at the time of the draft. Um, and they traded Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogolev, uh, 2025 first round pick, which is top 10 protected, and a 2026 second. Um, so. I think the this was a lightly guarded secret as well, but the Leafs were in on McCabe for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, got got their defense, got Sam Lafferty to bolster um, secondary scoring, and you know had a bit of a, a guy that can hold his own um, to their forward group. Yeah, I think McCabe kind of fills that Jake Muzzin role that they don't have really anyone who was doing that. If after, uh, <coughs> pardon me, after Muzzin had to get shut down um you know he's basically just like a, def- a stay-at-home defender hits and block shots so it's you know it's it's an element they didn't really have a whole lot of in their defense this is someone who strictly does that so mm-hmm. it's you know a solid add in that regard and then like you said lafferty some good depth goes you know ad- adds into the uh, depth that they get with the chari as well yeah and uh mccabe's got um few more years on his contract too so it's not and just he's pretty cheap he's only two million yeah at the um at the retained value um, Ooh, is that retained every year is that just going to be i think it is um i think his con- overall contract's about four mil um so i think they're going to hang on to that um for a few seasons chicago yep, yep. they've got uh chicago's going to have mccabe two million for mccabe on the books for the next two seasons after this one yeah, so I think it's a good good addition for Toronto. Um, yeah. Just, you know, add some defensive depth, um, which is something that they did a little bit more of as well. Um, and I don't know much about the, 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 the players that they gave up, Joey Anderson, Pavel Kogalev, however you pronounce that, um, if they're really, you know super valuable um but 
seems like a pretty good deal for Toronto. It does. I think I think Toronto made out pretty well in this one. Yeah. Um, well, move on then. Um, next next kind of bigger trade was uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Again, a player getting out of his nightmare. Uh, Yessi Puliyarvi uh, going to Carolina in exchange for Patrick Puistola. Um, signing rights for him. Uh, he's an unsigned draft pick. They might as well have just said future considerations, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. This was um, literally just a cap dump. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's... Uh, and it's interesting yeah. that um, Carolina's taking it on because they've been pretty quiet. Um, and then they've... like It seems like they're on a mission to acquire all the fins um, that they can. And uh, adding Pooley Arby. So... I mean, it's just been, it seems like this has been talked about for, like, multiple seasons at this point. Um, so no real surprise. Um, I no, did it's, see, it's not. I did see um, Woodcroft was talking about um, the trade, and he was like, you know, I thought he was really, um, like, gracious and, like, really, like, positive towards Puyarvi in his in his interview and, like, you know, like, saying, like, want to say thanks to Yessi for like being a part of our team and like you know blah 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 so I thought that was really cool um mm -hmm. and then you know McDavid was saying similar things um oh yeah saying, like it's no, a weird time like, of year Jesse uh he's very well liked within the Oilers locker room he's such a good personality the guys love playing with him like I'm pretty sure McDavid and Dreisaitl both wanted him on their line like that type of thing he's that type of player um it's it's nice to see someone from the organization say something nice about him for once, because <laughs> <laughs> all all that we ever get for, about Yesapuliarvi is the media trashing him for everything, the coaching staff giving him nine minutes of ice time per game and playing him in in a role that's not suited for him, and constant trade rumors and and. Attempting to ship him off wherever the hell they can for anything they can as soon as possible. So to hear someone from the organization say something nice about him for once was, you know, nice yeah, to hear. It just <laughs> takes him leaving. Um, yeah, so it's, it's it's kind of sad, but I think I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I imagine you feel happy for him to kind of get like a second opportunity and move on to like yeah. a good team and. You know, to get a chance for to like Anaheim and like having to just be on a crap team for you know like yeah he's going to a good place like he might not get like the opportunity to play in like you know top minutes but like you know he might I was be listening able to, to change he might he might throw him into the top six I mean who knows he might get along really yeah. well with Sebastian Ajo um, or the other Finns. Maybe they make an, a line of, like, Kakanyemi, Tara Vinen, and Puliyarvi. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, it just seems like it's... I think Carolina's had some success kind of reviving some careers, getting guys... And also, path, you know, path. using players in ways that they're actually suited for. Yeah. So, like like you said, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy that he's getting out of the Oilers organization to maybe try and go and revive his career somewhere else. Because right now he's just having like a career down year of shooting percentage where he can't get anything to go in. But within doing that, he's still an incredibly effective defensive forward who is more than hard on the forecheck and backcheck. 
wins puck battles like crazy. And I was listening to another podcast earlier, and they were saying how like that's basically what Carolina does. Like that's oh, yeah. that's their Definitely. that's their style. So it's like he's going to an organization that his play style is actually going to be appreciated. Yeah, I which mean, is why I think he's going to get a good chance, especially with some higher spots in the lineup where you 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 need that puck battle winning ability with some of the you know higher end offensive players and suddenly you might find a good combination again yeah the um outdoor game whatever it was called the outdoor classic or whatever the hell um where the capitals were playing the kings um that's literally all the hurricanes did was just win all these puck battles all these 50 50 puck battles the hurricanes were winning yeah so and that's literally um, jesse's game like yeah he so. is he might not have the most creative mind when he's got the puck. He might not have like the most accurate shot all the time, but he will charge in there. He will rush into the boards. He will win that puck battle. He will battle his ass off every single chance he can get. So that's going to be valuable for the hurricanes. Yeah. I mean, like if you look at their depth chart, like they have four good lines. I think I saw a thing a little while ago on Reddit and it was about like the top lines in a league for like possession metrics. And I think it was, like, all of Carolina's lines were in, like, the top 15 or something. Like, they were just, like, cr so and crazy that's, good. <laughs> that's an area that Pugliarvi helped every single line he was on in Edmonton. Was, like, everyone's possession numbers got better when he was on their line last year. Yeah, so, like, the, the points might not be there. But, like, yeah, the possession numbers are what helps you get yeah. there. And, like, I'd be interested to see, like, how many third assists did he have. You know, like... Is he is he setting up plays by just you know winning those battles and then like getting the yeah puck exactly to how many make the play like how know. many good scoring chances did he make by winning a puck battle you know that type of thing yeah I mean like it's like you know in fantasy like you you look at some players that aren't getting you points but then you watch the game that they're playing and it's like oh he's like the th the the guy on the power play that like is the third assist so mm -hmm. like they're playing good it's just like he's not he's He's not getting the point, <laughs> but he's, like, making things happen out there. Yeah, exactly. And if you're watching and paying attention, like, he's playing a good game. It's just, you know, for casual fans, it's like they look at point totals. That's it. It's like mm -hmm. defensive. The defense is measured by points by casual fans. But, like, you know, it's like Jacob Slavin's never going to be the top, you know, D-man of the year because he doesn't have like super super high point totals, but Jared Spurgeon is another one of those. Yeah, you watch them and it's like, oh wow, he's like elite at shutting guys down. <laughs> you know, like you just you can't have a metric for like, you know, shutdowns. <laughs> like that's not a yeah. thing. So yeah, I'm, I I think I'm I think everyone's probably happy to see him get a, a different opportunity, um, and we'll see where Carolina slots him into the lineup move on um capitals flipped uh marcus johansson to the minnesota wild uh not for just retention purposes this time but just for him to play there um in exchange for a 2024 third round pick um i didn't so, i didn't even see this one so mojo <laughs> i scrolled up i scrolled up and saw this and i'm like wait what yeah so mojo being dealt out um i'm totally on board with the capitals selling this is what i wanted them to do all season and uh i'm happy that they're doing it uh, because they really need to get young players 
so that they can bolster their prospect pool, which is one of the worst in the league. Uh, so happy with that. Um, and then, you know, Mojo's been having a really good year. So sell him probably, like, I don't know. He could always come back and re-sign for his third stint with the club. Um, who knows? <laughs> if he signs for the right price, sure. Um, but Well, he might want to go and add more teams to his list because in the last four seasons, he's played in New Jersey, Boston, Buffalo, Minnesota, Seattle, and Washington. <laughs> yeah, he's been uh, dealt at the deadline a few times, I think. Um, and I guess just mention another Capitals trade here. Uh, they also... Um, traded out Eric Gustafson and the 2023 first that they got from Boston um, in exchange for Rasmus Sandin. Um, what a great I, trade for Washington. I love this trade <laughs> for Washington. I mean, I like, think, I think I've probably, I think a few years ago we did like who we thought was going to be a breakout player. We did those articles and I picked Sandin because I thought he was going to get that power play spot for Toronto. Mm-hmm. I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but this year when Riley was out and Sandine was on the power play, I thought he looked really good. Um, That's so like, what I keep hearing. So his point totals from that period of time were good. But throughout the year, he like his point totals are lower because Riley came back and it just has that spot. Um, but he's a young, I think he's 22, turns 23 in March, I think. Um, he's just a good puck mover. He plays more physical than his size. Um and I, I just, I, I really like this trade for the Capitals. Yeah, because like, in reality, like, the type of player you would get with the first-round pick is what you hope would turn into a Sandine in three to four years. They basically just get someone who's, you know, a few years into their development curve. They give mm-hmm. up Gustafson, who's, like, defender in air quotes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, yeah. you know, what did, they, what did they lose? They got, they basically ended up getting Sandine for half of Orlov. Exactly. Like on, you yeah. know, trying trying to like put the the return in perspective a little bit. It's like that's that's a pretty pretty solid you know trade tree. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, like I think the, the future of the club is probably like a Fairvari Sandine top pairing, right? And what like, a good complementary pairing that would be too. Yeah, like a offensive defensive guy. You know, um, like they're. They're pretty much the same age, I think. I'm not sure if Fairvari has the same birth year. Um, I think he might be a year older. Um, but, um, you know, like, I, I just love it because it's like, yeah, like, that 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 pick is probably going to be, like, one of the last picks in the draft. So, sure, yeah, like, it's a first, but you end up getting a player that's, like you said, already a couple of years into their development cycle has put their time into the AHL is now playing in the NHL has the opportunity to be like a QB on the power play this the remainder of this season if, if Carlson stays out um, get some confidence and with all of the defensemen that uh, Toronto was adding you know he's just getting shoved down the depth chart so um, I, I think it's a great trade and yeah like I was talking to um ryan hawk who we've had on the podcast um about this because he's also a caps fan and uh, he was saying he was laughing at uh some toronto fans on on reddit because they were mad about this trade but some of them were also saying that oh gustafson's a bigger player so he'll probably be more physical <laughs> than sandino it's like 
you have clearly <laughs> never watched this man play hockey in your life. <laughs> because he is not physical at all. Oh, and he loses every battle in front of the net unless he... Um, and that's only if he's in front of the net. Sometimes he's somewhere else and just has gotten beaten. Um, but I'm curious <laughs> to see what... Sometimes he's somewhere like, else. <laughs> does he even play in Toronto? Because, like, he's a power play specialist. Are they going to put him on the power play and take Riley off? Are they going to maybe... Maybe they run with, like, because Gustafson's half a forward anyways. Maybe they just run with Riley and Gustafson. Maybe. I mean, he's on a super cheap contract, so... Yeah, I mean that's really what this move is for Toronto. It's like they save a little bit of cap space so that they're able to make some other moves, um, and I would imagine, like, actually, no, it's clear they value Gustafson because they didn't treat they didn't treat it as a cap move. Like they acquired for Sandine, they didn't give up to to dump cap space, so they are probably going to use Gustafson in some capacity. I imagine. I mean, Augustus having a really good year offensively. Like, he has looked really good on the Capitals' power play. Um, like, his point total is a little deceiving because when Carlson went out, like, his point total has skyrocketed. Like, he's he's had, like, almost point per game, I think, since since he's been out. So he's, he's really good on that power play. But if you don't use him on the power play, like, he's useless to you. So I just just like, what are they going to do? Are they going to dress him just for that? Because um, there's been teams that have done that with him before where, like, he doesn't play anything defensively. He just plays, like, offensive starts, power play. That's it. I think his defensive game has maybe gotten a bit better, like, on the Capitals, but it can only get so much better. Um, but overall, I like this trade for the Capitals. I'm excited that they have a young defenseman that they can, you know, yeah, throw into the mix and hopefully keep for a long time that would be the goal uh one one quick thought for toronto is that they roll uh 11 forward seven defensemen that we've seen some teams do with some success and have gustafson be that seventh defender who can kind of slot in wherever you need him like he could probably go out and jump up on the wing if you need him to he can play on the power play like it'd be a little bit more of a versatile thing than than to throw away an entire defensive pairing by putting him on one of them yeah i think i think that would make sense because like just looking at camp friendly, like their defense is like Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Justin Hall, Jake McCabe, Timothy Lilligren, Luke Shen. They also acquired in a trade, um, who we might as well mention it right now. Um, they acquired Luke Shen for a 2023 third. Exactly um, what was expected. And they, so and they great, dealt out Pierre Engball to the Islanders for a 2024 third, um, who they originally, I think, had from. Oh, sorry. Never mind. Um, so they, they move some cap around by dealing out, you know, a bottom six forward, bringing in some more defense. Luke Shen, you know, coming back to the team that drafted him. Um, so their defense, yeah. Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Justin Hall, Jake McCabe, Timothy Lilligren, Luke Shen, Mark Giordano, Eric Gustafson, Connor Timmons. So it's like they're, they're, they're pretty prepared for playoffs here with, yeah. with that blue line. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty solid. Um, I don't know who's riding the pine. I mean, probably Timmons. Probably. I don't know. That would be my guess. Timmons, Gustafson. I don't know, <coughs> but um, they're 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 prepared. Um, but yeah, I think that would make sense. Roll seventy and then just like scratch a forward, because um, uh, 
their their top forwards are just so good and then they've just they've, they've gotten even better with like O'Reilly. Um so it's just an interesting mix of uh players coming in for Mont or for uh, Toronto but um I think it's I think they're just like you said earlier like Dubas is just kind of going all in um how he can. Um but yeah, like I said, I I love the addition of Sandine. I've liked him as a player. Um, I'm excited to see him get more of an opportunity in the Capitals, work on that um, power play. Just, I think he could he could really shine. Um, so I'm hoping he becomes a, you know, a staple of their lineup. Uh, next big one, you know, lots of uh, Oilers trades today. Um, Oilers acquired Matias Ekholm at four uh, percent change <laughs> um, <laughs> and a 2024 <laughs> sixth in exchange for uh, Tyson Berry Reed Schaefer 2023 first 2024 fourth so you're the Oilers fan what do you think of this one absolutely love this trade for Edmonton um, Ekholm I I'm pretty sure I was talking to you about this at one point that Ekholm is the like one of the guys I was targeting that I wanted them to acquire because mm -hmm. I think he is the exact type of defender that they need. Um, he's versatile. He plays both sides. He can he can play with Nurse on the top pairing on the right side. He can go to the second pairing and play with Bouchard or Kulak. He can do whatever. Um, one of the struggles for Edmonton on their defense is transitional play. And Matias Ekholm has got a good first pass. He's good on the breakout. He's good in transition. That's something that they really need. And um, I know a lot of people were like, oh, well, they need a defensive defender because they suck at defending, which makes sense. But I was listening and reading to other stuff lately about teams who are, rather than acquiring one, you know, mid-level piece to address a major team weakness, they just double down on their strengths and the things they're already good at. So Edmonton is a team that their offense is entirely or very largely based off of rush and counterattack play. To bring in an asset like Ekholm who can help that transition to have him play when he's got McDavid and Dreisaitl on the ice, that's just going to make their rush offense so much better and so much more dangerous, especially when Ekholm is a solid defender in his own right. So, you know, we're giving up Tyson Berry in this trade, which is essentially just the cap, you know, the, the way to make the cap work, which is why they also traded Puliyarvi today. Um, Tyson Berry is Eric Gustafson, essentially. <laughs> Terrible at five on five. He's been okay this year. He's actually one of the Oilers' better defenders this year, which isn't saying much. But he's basically just the power play quarterback. He plays on the third pairing otherwise. So they're basically swapping those two on their defense, giving up an okay prospect. You know, Reese Schaefer was, has had a really good season, which has upped his value from what I thought it was when they drafted him. And finally, Ken Holland, who doesn't like trading that first-round pick, says it's okay to trade this one because he recognizes the situation the team's in. Like, this is a year to go for it. The Western Conference is close, but it's also weak. This is a chance for Edmonton to really make a splash in the playoffs. They can get out of this Western Conference. And I think this is a very reasonable return. I think Ekholm is going to be great. He's signed for two more seasons, I believe, after this one. So this isn't a rental as well, which is a, you know, an awesome factor. And I'm just, I'm pretty happy with this. And I can't wait to see Ekholm in the Oilers lineup, hopefully tomorrow. Yeah, or I think it's Mar March first. March first, <laughs> depending when this actually goes live. <laughs> I I um, I think it's a smart move. Um, you know, he signed signed for a bit. He's he's the type of player that like, he's he's thirty two now, but like as he gets older, like I could see him 
his game doesn't rely on speed, so like I don't think yeah. he's really gonna like fall off too much before like he he should age well. Yeah, before his contract expires. So I think it's a smart had, um, and it makes sense because yeah, he does fit a, a, a need. Um, so yeah, it's a smart smart one. Um, just as uh, we were talking there, um, news came out that uh, the Capitals extended Nick Jensen. Um, yep. So that he takes is him off uh, not on the market anymore. They signed him for three years, four point zero five million. Um, so that's a bit of a raise for him. He was at two and a half. Um, he is not going to the Ottawa Senators, as I thought before. No, um, <laughs> and uh, I think like maybe maybe a little bit high, but he's been relied upon um, a lot. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he's also going to play a big role on the Caps' defense for the next two or three seasons, based yeah. off how weak it is on paper. So it's it's reasonable to pay what he's going to be. It's reasonable reasonable yeah. to pay that for four million. And I like him. He's a really good skater. And um, with Orlov gone, like I think he's kind of fits the same sort of role. And he's right-handed, plays right D. Um, so I, I think that's an okay deal. Um, he's a he's a he's really improved. Like when he first came to the team, I think a lot of fans didn't like him, but. Um, I remember actually you mentioning that to me, like you were kind of unimpressed with him, that he was kind of, you know, in lackluster compared to what you thought he was or what he was expected to be. Yeah. So that's good to hear that he's improved. He's and he he um, has a pretty good set of hands on him, too. And he's, he's really like responsible, though, so he doesn't really get caught too much. That's good. He's such a good skater that he can um, usually get back if he does. Um, but just quickly, like so Jensen was at two and a half. Um, and before they got Sandine, all of their defense, except for Jensen, were under a million. <laughs> um, and now that they have Sandine, there's a, there's they have two. They have two defensemen who are making over a million dollars. Because Carlson's still on IR, then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they have Trevor Vanz, Reemstike, Alexander Alexiev, Martin Fairvery, Dylan Mikkelrup, and Matt Irwin. <laughs> all all below a million, and Eric Gustafson wow. is under a million, too. So they have, like, what the cheapest defense. defense <laughs> in the league. Wow. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of funny. Um, so anyway, um, but, yeah, Ekholm to the Oilers, I think, is a, yeah. is a really good move. Um, and um, much better, I think, than, you know, going all in on, like, adding Eric Carlson, who they would have had yeah, to pay I, so much of a premium for for another team to retain. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because um, it's just I don't I don't trust that Carlson's sustainable. No. He's had three bad years and one really good season now. I I don't know what his what his normal is now. You know, Ekholm's been steady and consistent, and he's not like Gavrikov Edmondson, which I was worried that's what they were going to end up doing is paying a first and a third for one of those two. Yeah, um, Chikrin, I've I didn't think he was going to be a good fit originally, but I sort of changed my tune listening to more content about how his game actually is compared to what the the narrative around him is um so i was i was going to be okay if this is if chikrin is what they ended up getting but i ultimately like i wanted ekholm and i'm glad that they made this trade for him now from nashville's side you know again they get another couple of draft picks they get a solid forward prospect in reed schaefer who is um projecting to be kind of like a power forward goal scorer type so I don't know how his skating ability is, how it'll translate to the NHL in the future, but he, you know, I'm thinking like a Josh Anderson type player, kind of someone in that mold. He's like bigger, physical, but he's got a pretty good shot who can score. 
Mm-hmm. And you were mentioning this that Nashville has absolutely no need for Tyson Berry. No. And you had mentioned you had mentioned this to me over text beforehand that are they just going to flip him to another team for more draft picks? Because quite frankly, a, a defender who's got like forty or fifty points on the season who can quarterback a power play is going to be pretty valuable to some. Yeah, I mean, I think there'd be teams calling about him. Um, just yeah, like he's he's not going to bump Yossi off of power play. exactly. So. And, and other than that, like, him. you don't want him as a defender because, quite frankly, he's not that guy. No, definitely not. So, like, the Toronto picked up Gustafson, so maybe a team picks up Barry. Um, you know, depends on who has a need for an offensive D-man. I don't know who's in a playoff spot that would need one, but um, I think that they would be smart to trade him this year or maybe next year um, or the off season or something. Mm-hmm. Um We'll move on. Columbus Blue Jackets uh, sent Gustav Nyquist to the Minnesota Wild at 50% retained in exchange for 2023 fifth. This one's just interesting because, like, today it was news that, like, the NHL was telling, like, general managers that, like, we're going to really look at, like, guys who were hurt and getting traded. And, like, in the article, like, Gus Nyquist was, like, one of the (laughs) examples. And then they traded this, but apparently like the key piece to this is that like he is expected to come back before the end of the regular season so i think it's not super shady but it just like it's funny that it's like <laughs> that piece of news came out and this was a specific example and then it's like he's traded yeah. later in the like day two hours later your armor keck line is like <laughs> fucking try me bud <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's and then again it's just like what are what is the minnesota wild doing yeah, I, it it, I I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's hard to say because I mean Nyquist Nyquist is a decent player. Like he's a speedy oh, yeah. forward. So it's like, are they acquiring him for the future? Are they trying to use this for this season? Like I don't I don't quite get it. No, I don't I don't know either. Because he's also, on I just realized he's also a UFA. Yeah, so it's like so what what is the point of of making that trade giving something up for someone who might not even play a game for you because you're probably not going to be able to resign him <laughs> i i don't know is there someone on the team who's got like a connection to like nyquist like doesn't seem like it at, at a glance so i don't know man this one doesn't make sense to me um Good for the Blue Jackets. Get something yeah. for a guy who you wanted to trade and now is hurt. You still get something, so maybe not as high as you'd hoped for, but it's something. Um, and then uh, probably the I guess the biggest trade, just name wise. Um, the Are you York sure Rangers. about that? <laughs> 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 I like how you had to add name wise. <laughs> yeah. Patrick Kane to the Rangers. It's finally happened. It's finally official. It's been what, like a week of like this waiting for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so he uh, is on the Rangers now, reunited with Artemi Panarin. That's going to be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, in exchange for um, 
a third round pick to Arizona who who re- retained salary in this transaction. It's a three way trade, um, but they also sent the Blackhawks. Um, Andy Walensky. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, a 2023 second and a 2025 fourth. And I th- there's a condition on that second where uh, it's not shown up here on cap friendly, but I think it's if they make the conference finals or something like that, um, that it turns into a first. Um, but do you know the condition on that? Um, I haven't seen it. It's not on cap friendly yet, but I'm wondering how they're working that because I thought they gave up their 2023 first and something else. Uh, they probably did in the Tarasenko deal. I would assume so. Yeah. So I there yeah, there'll be something there. I'm sh- I'm sure I'm sure you know the great hockey minds have figured out how to make it legal. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like if this pick is sent to St. Louis, it turns into this next year's pick or something. Yeah, something like that. Um, but it's really not a lot. Um, mm-hmm. for for Patrick Kane, and I think that's just because, like, especially at fifty percent retained, because he's got a big contract, but um, he basically forced them it, to trade him to New York. It's the only place he was gonna go. Yeah, he yeah he made it clear that's where he was gonna go, and just it took away any uh, leverage that they would have had. Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess he's like. He's, they're only paying for like twenty five percent of his salary, because I think yeah, both I was just, I was Chicago just and say, Arizona yeah. retain fifty percent. Um, so they're paying you know twenty five percent of Patrick Kane. They gave up a third round pick in twenty twenty five, a fourth in twenty twenty five, a second maybe a first this year, and Andy Wilinski. Yeah, so I, like, like that's like considering what we've seen other players get, like Tanner Janot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is the big one like who is also? I'm pretty sure Jano is needing a new contract. He's technically a rental, mm-hmm. and gets that much compared to Patrick Kane. So yeah, it's just such a weird trade because, like, Patrick Kane has been pretending that he hasn't like told the Blackhawks he wanted to go to New York, but then like he very publicly said like he was sad when like Tarasenko went there and he was hoping to go there. It was just such a weird situation. Like, everyone knew mm-hmm. that he wanted to go there, but he was mm-hmm. just saying, like, I haven't asked for a trade. And then it's like, okay, like, why is this a thing then? Um, and then he finally, like, it's like every day this week has been like, oh, Patrick Kane is going to be a Ranger by the end of the day. And then it's like the next day it's the same thing. And then it's finally happened. So um, I think... It's going to be fun to watch him and Panarin play together just because yep. they were so good in Chicago. Um, Agreed. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's um, it's an absolute arms race in the East. It's crazy. Dude, this top – I mean, this top nine, really, but the top six mostly. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, first line, Chris Strider, Mika Zibanejad, Vladimir Tarasenko. Second line, Artemi Panarin, Vincent Trocek, Patrick Kane. <laughs> I mean, I say first and second line, but that's two first lines. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then on their third line, it's Lafreniere, Heedle, and and Capococco, which is they've all been solid this year as well, low key. Yeah, it's um, so it's that's insane. you know, it's it's interesting that all of the teams are going it all in, or the the teams are going so hard anyways. On a year where it is so competitive, 
because it's going to be it's going to be so difficult to get through Carolina the way they're playing to get through New Jersey the way that they're gelling to get through Boston ultimately I imagine if not Boston then Toronto and their ability to ice three different lineups with the amount of depth that they've acquired and Tampa Bay being Tampa Bay you know yeah. I, it's it's interesting to see this much competition in, in such a challenging year you'd, you'd think someone would be like eh, everyone else is doing so well putting so much into it we'll go for next year when they're you know they aren't able to do that again yeah it's it's uh a lot of all in <laughs> and some teams are gonna lose so yeah it's um you know i'm like i'm happy that the capitals decided to sell because it's like you're not gonna be able to compete with this yeah <laughs> like, like exactly you know though that top six like you're you're gonna lose to that when your defense is all under a million dollars <laughs> like <laughs> you know like you're you're gonna money lose. ball it over here <laughs> yeah um so yeah i think it's um just absolutely balls out in the east it's crazy mm-hmm. like like there's so much competition in the east and the west it's just like I mean the Oilers it's, are it's close moves, races, but it's it's kind of all open in the West, like yeah. anyone's ball game, right? Like so. Well, there's in the West, it's like seven teams separated by five points or something crazy. Take a look, but it's it's insane how competitive it is. It's just not as high end. Yeah. Yeah, but like there's just like some. Yeah, there's there's eight teams separated by six points in the West. It hmm. across the two divisions. And that's like the first four spots in both divisions are all between seventy and seventy-six points. Yeah, so we'll see what um, what trades come up between now and the uh, and the deadline. Um, there's still some fairly big names on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, the big one that's been a while is Jacob Chikrin, where he's going to end up. Gavrikov, if he's going anywhere, apparently. Uh, like we talked about LA uh, possibly interested in, in Gavrikov and Corpusalo. Um, I'd be interested or just the goalie in general yeah I'd be interested to see if they like deal out quick and, and dish out some prospects for mm-hmm. a goalie and then run like that goalie and Copley who's been far better um, than quick this season um, that would be an end of an era <laughs> um, yep Quick's in the last year of his deal. He has no no clauses, so he can be dealt out. Um, so yeah, there's there's still still a bit uh, that could happen. Um, is there any, so any you know, s- stay tuned for part two of the trade deadline coverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, we'll probably post an episode um, sometime this weekend um, about you know the deals that happened since we recorded this one. I'm sure there's going to be something that pops up as soon as we stop recording, Sean. I've been refreshing the trade page on Cat Friendly as we've been recording just to see, but it's it's starting to get a bit late in the day now, so I imagine imagine the GMs are going to sleep after the night, (laughs) after the day that they had. (laughs) Yeah, I've been looking at uh, Friedman and Servali's Twitter all day, so um, that's where I saw the Jensen thing. That wraps things up for this time here on Clappercast. Make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way. For more content, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Clappercast Media or on Twitter at Clappercast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more Hockey Talk.